first week of our home improvement series, we talked about foundations. And I'm basing this off the Ten Commandments. And whenever I talked about the Ten Commandments, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me very specifically several, several, several weeks ago, even months ago. God told me exactly what he wanted me to speak on in this particular series. By the way, if you have our app, then you'll open up our app, go to notes. In my notes, you'll find them there under notes. It'll say home improvement, and it'll say the roof. Talked about our foundation. First commandment, don't have any other gods before me. Last week, I talked about framework, and I talked about honoring your father and your mother. And honor and respect and how whenever we, we understand forgiveness, how, how that really, really can, can help build who we are. And today I'm going to talk about Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, which is the, the, the seventh commandment. But before we do, I've used this one passage in Exodus 19, and I want to use that today as we look into God's Word. Let me just say this up front. I believe with all my heart that God has spoken to me for today. And I believe that in this house, you may have been affected by what I'm going to talk about. You may have family members that have been affected by what I'm going to talk about. But I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Lord knew who was going to be here. And where I've never preached this before, I am confident in my heart that this is a word from, from the Lord for this house. I don't say that very often. Now, don't, don't think that means I just get up here and preach what I feel. But I'm telling you, this is burning in my spirit. And I believe that somebody in here somewhere, through whatever situation or whatever you've been uh, connected with, with what we're going to talk about, because it's not just what you probably think. But I think God can speak to you, and I hope that he will. Exodus chapter 19, verse 3. Moses went up to God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I lifted you up on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will faithfully obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my special possession out of all the nations. Don't forget, and I've pointed this out, both the previous two weeks. This is an if-then statement. God says, if you will faithfully obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my special possession out of all the nations. For all the earth is mine, and you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Today I want to talk about marriages. Marriages in several different ways. Marriages provide covering. Marriages protect us from the weather if we're looking at this kind of like a house. Marriages should keep the things out that should stay out. And when we see this passage of Scripture, I've told you this is what God is is telling Israel before he begins to list off the Ten Commandments. Then what's going to happen next is what you've probably seen in in print everywhere, hanging on walls, it's in the Supreme Court, all kind of places. And the number seven commandment is Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. Five words, you shall not commit adultery. That's all it is. Nothing else to it. It sounds simple enough, but sometimes we simplify things that are way more complex than they seem. The word adultery simply means infidelity between a married person and a person 
who is not his or her spouse. Most of us understand what physical adultery is. Most of us get that. But today I want to talk to you about three different places that I believe we can see in Scripture where adultery is referenced in three different styles or three different forms, if you will. We're going to start with what we're probably the most familiar with. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32 says this, But whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does it destroys his own soul. Now, understand that this is speaking, uh, obviously, to a man, but it's applicable both ways. It says, but whoever commits, an adulter- commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. You could flip the words around and make it the same. Adultery is a violation of the covenant between a woman and a man. No matter the reason, physical adultery is never acceptable. I've literally heard people saying, well, it's his fault or it's her fault and they shouldn't have done this or they shouldn't have done that. Friend, there's never an okay to break covenant. It's never okay to go outside the the confines of marriage with a physical relationship. That even includes before marriage. Now, let me get on a soapbox just for a minute for all the single ladies, all the single dudes. That means you too. If marriage is sacred, and if intimacy in marriage is sacred, that means that you need to be as careful and as, as, as intentional as you can to wait for that moment. Teenagers today, literally, literally, it breaks my heart. I've walked into down to, to our daycare before, and I've walked in and I've seen someone bring a child into the daycare that I thought was their older sister, and it was their mama. Kids raising kids. It's absolutely crazy. And then we're forcing teenagers to make decisions. Should they keep a baby or should they not keep a baby? They're already in one way wrong because they've had fornication. Now the second wrong is we're doing something that, that, that the Bible's clear about. You may be a, a young adult or maybe a single adult. I, I've heard this story before. Now I'm going to share it with you. You may have heard this or a variation of it. I remember when I uh, was probably 19 years old, I heard this story uh, from a guy named Richard Crisco. Now, Richard Crisco is a pastor in Michigan right now, but he was the youth pastor at Brownsville Assembly of God. And he began to tell this story about this young lady. Our culture pushes people to do things because of peer pressure. Especially if you're young and you're not married. It's cool to do things. It's cool to go and and, and get drunk. It's cool to go and get lit and high and whatever else. And it's cool to just feel like you can just test the waters. And here's what he said. He talked about this young girl and, and, and... her friends were like, come on, you need to, you need to, to, to be with this guy. You need to, to be intimate with this guy. And, and she said, no, I don't want to do that. And they was like, come on, you don't know what you're missing. You don't know what you're missing. And Crisco said that that little girl looked at them and she said, I, I may not know what I'm missing, but I do know this. I can be like you anytime I want to, but you can never again be like me. You can never again be like me. That's why the Bible uses the word covenant. Now, I could get all deep with you right now on covenant 
and why blood covenant is important in Genesis. But for today, I want to talk to you about three different aspects that I believe the Lord has specifically spoken to me about concerning adultery. If you found yourself on the wrong side of adultery, I want you to hear me right now. There is forgiveness and grace in Jesus. A lot of you probably, if you've ever been there, you may already be walking in that. But if you're not walking in that, you've not understood that, understand this. His grace is greater than our sin. Amen? God is bigger than any hiccup or mistake. Amen? Through counseling, prayer, determined hearts, I've seen many, many couples who have found themselves in a place reconciled. And in many cases, they came out stronger than before. In our country, almost 50% of marriages end in divorce. And most of those are because someone was unfaithful in one way or the other. Now, as a husband, if I am the king of my house, and Lindsay is the queen of my house, As long as the king treats the queen right, how many of you know she don't need no prince? Okay? Let me just lay it that way for you. And the same way happens for guys. I think I told you this. John Kilpatrick taught us this in a class one day. He said, every man and woman, and you really, I got to come up with something new because it doesn't work anyway. It worked 15 years ago because everybody knew who this was. Um, He said, every man and woman is looking for John Wayne. Now, if you're probably under the age of 15, you're like, huh? They say, when a woman sees John Wayne, she sees security. He's going to protect me. He's going to take care of me. When a man sees John Wayne, he sees significance. And if you'll make a woman secure, she'll make you significant. Or that's the way that it should be. Now, I think that I could hammer down some scripture with that. But again, I've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I didn't hear nobody else with that Smokey and the Bandit coming on. See, y'all think I, y'all don't even know. I ain't no rookie. <laughs> Guarding your marriage is much more than falling into an inappropriate relationship physically, however. There's also something that's just as dangerous, in my opinion, that could be more dangerous than physical adultery, and it's called emotional adultery. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 through 28. This is the words of Jesus himself. He said this, You have heard that it was said by the ancients, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whatever looks, whoever looks on a woman to lust after, his, after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So I want to be very clear with you. Emotional adultery is real and way more common than we care to admit. Okay? I'm telling you. I've never preached anything quite like this before, but I know beyond a shadow of a doubt this is the Lord. Now, I've been making a couple references to to people I've heard preach before, like at Brownsville, and I'll never forget this. Steve Hill one day said, God will help you with lust. He's given you this incredible way to fix yourself and to help you with lust. And everybody's like, what's he talking about? He said, it's called a neck. Turn your head. Sometimes that's our problem. Our neck gets stuck. You see what it did to David with Bathsheba. It caused him to get called out by the prophet. Caused him to lose a child. It caused a mess. Emotional adultery usually takes place in non-physical relationships between a man and a woman. 
However, it takes place between a person and anything that is more important than their spouse. Your job, your recreation. If it's taken more time away from your spouse than you're giving to your spouse, friend, you're running around. You just may not want to admit it. Understand this, that you can be unfaithful emotionally seeking attention and you can be unfaithful emotionally neglecting attention. Okay? That's a two-way street. You can be emotionally adulterous by neglecting attention just as it is if you're neglected. You made a covenant if you're married in here, when you made a covenant, when you said your vows, do you remember what you said? How many of you remember what you said? I specifically remember parts of what I said, but I don't remember the whole thing. However, I did write them myself. I wrote my vows myself, and we have them up, and we have them kept somewhere, but they're not memorized. But the most recent vows that I read, I read Friday night, standing right here in the same place. And I looked at Eric, and I said this to Eric. I said, will you, Eric, take this woman who you hold by the hand to be your wife? Will you promise to keep her, hold her, cherish her, lead her, and defend her? Will you promise to be her faithful and true husband as long as you both shall live? Intentionally, there are three different phrases, or two different phrases, to keep her and faithful and true. Now, for some of you, your vows may have been pretty standard. Standard vows would say, I, Jody, take you, Lindsay, we're renewing our vows right now, to be my lawfully wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. In both of these, we understand that covenant was entered into, and this implies that there may be tough times. It also implies that in tough times, we persevere and we push through. I told Eric and them while we were up here and we were taking communion, I turned my microphone off, and I told Eric and Rissa, I said, listen, I said, we're going to take communion And I said, it's symbolic of of what Jesus had to go through, and it was a tough time, and I want you to understand that you're going to have tough times too. Now, I know very few people who um, have the absolute perfect marriage. There's a couple in here, uh, a couple of you in here that we probably could say you're pretty close, the painters, uh, probably pretty close because y'all are just lovey-dovey. Pastor Jesse, Sister Ray, I've told you about that. Tammy and Eddie, we've talked about that. I think I've, I, I mean... Just look at people like, let me see, who else in here that I just think is lovebirds? The Hughes, they'll go on motorhome trips. That, if I didn't call your name, that don't mean I don't think you're lovebirds, by the way. <laughs> that don't mean I think you're struggling. I'm just thinking of people who do cool stuff that I envy, like biscuits like hearts. I done told you about me having to learn how to open up the door better. These guys do exactly what I love. I tell Lindsay all the time, let's sell our house Let's buy three or four acres and buy RV that you can drive. And we can, if you get tired of the view, I'll just rearrange it. And I'll just twist it and turn it. She hadn't went for it yet, but that's my idea. Here's what I'm saying. What you do not feed in your life will starve. 
and what you feed will grow. If there's something that you're feeding more than your spouse, then your spouse is starving. And you are not being right in that by God nor by your spouse. Emotional adultery is real, and it's a huge problem in our culture. We must be aware of those things and keep marriage healthy. If families are our greatest strength, they should be worth our greatest efforts. I don't want you to miss that. If families are our greatest strength, they should be, they have to be worth our greatest efforts. One more area I want us to dig in, and this is where I'm going to park for a few minutes, and that is spiritual adultery. God speaks in Exodus, you shall not commit adultery. Proverbs talks about it. Deuteronomy 5.18 pretty much repeats the same thing as Exodus 20.14. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 talks about lust and adultery committed in your heart even though it's not physical. But there's another type of adultery that's mentioned in Scripture. In the Bible, in the book of Revelation chapter 2, there's a address being made to the church at Ephesus. And one of the statements that's made is, return from the height from which you've fallen. Return to your first love. You've forsaken your first love. Now, in that place, it's not talking about a man and a woman and a husband and wife. It's talking about your relationship and their relationship for the church of Ephesus with Christ. But that's not the only place that we see this. But we do know one thing. What that does tell us is this, that there, even in the Bible are times where things can get in between you and Jesus. The Bible says that we're the bride of Christ. We're the object of His affection. What does that mean, friend? That means that we're the reason for His burden in Gethsemane. That we're the reason for His agony as He was whipped. That we're the reason for pain that He endured on the cross. And you're the reason for His victory in the resurrection about this. Jesus only died because we needed him. You understand that? He didn't die because he had something to prove. He was God. He is God. From creation he was there. But he died because we needed him. And to know that a loving Savior that gave everything that he had for us sometimes comes up short. In our emotions, in our love, in our honor, in our worship of Him. We're to be faithful to Jesus and avoid falling in the trap of spiritual adultery. I want to read for you two passages. The first one is Ezekiel chapter 23, verse 36 through 37. The Lord, moreover, said to me, Son of man, will you judge Ahola and Aholabiah, then declare to them their abominations. Verse 37. For they have committed adultery, and the blood is in their hands. Thus with their idols they have committed adultery, and they have caused their sons 
whom they bore to me to pass through the fire for them as food. James 4, 4 in the New Testament. James says this, you adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God, hatred with God? Whoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is a friend and enemy of God. Adultery is a word that's used in many translations, most translations. Adultery brings about something that's not right. Now, we talked about idolatry when we read the passage from the Old Testament. And I've mentioned them several times in the past week, and I want to mention it again. Idolatry is very simply defined. It doesn't have to be something physical. We're not talking about a golden calf, or we're not talking about a statue, or we're not talking about a relic. We're talking about anything that takes the place and importance and significance of God in your life. Now, I just told you something that I'm about to say, something that's going to almost sound hypocritical, okay? But let me go ahead and get this out there for you. Your relationship with God has to be a priority over your relationship with your spouse. Well, you just said that the spouse is most important. It is under God. Mamas, you may have a hard time with what I'm about to tell you. You are called to love and and nourish and raise your children, but you do not have covenant with them. What are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to say you don't take sides with no kids. Okay? You only have a covenant with one, and that's your spouse. You have an obligation and a duty and 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 a responsibility to raise your children. That means that your kids should not come in between your marriage. Okay? Sometimes I've seen it before. I've seen kids come in between marriage. That is absolutely, totally contradicting of what the Bible teaches us. Are you trying to say I ain't supposed to love my kid? No, I never said that. And if you're not careful, you'll hear something I ain't saying because I know how sometimes the enemy will work. He'll try to twist our words. Hear me clearly. You have a responsibility and obligation to your children, but you have a covenant with your spouse. And if your kids or your spouse have a higher priority on the food chain than God, then that is an idol. There's no other way to put it. I'm telling you, this is not the easiest message by far I've ever preached. It's probably in the top five of the most difficult. But I know that I know that I know that I heard the Lord speak to me today. You want God to bless your family? Let Him be the priority and watch what happens. There's nothing that's found in this passage in James that hints to sexual sin. Therefore, it's obvious that he's calling them adulterers for another reason. The world in this passage that's making reference, being friend of the world, simply means things that are in contradiction to God. You can define that for yourself. What are things that are in contradiction to God? Those are things that are pretty obvious, maybe through the media, maybe through uh, different channels, maybe at your work. There are things that you know about that's going on that's in total contradiction To God, those are things that are friends of the world. Because you can't be a friend of the world and be a friend of God. It cannot be more simple than this. 
If you are the bride of Christ and he is not your top priority, then you and I are unfaithful. Let me put it to you this way. If you are his bride and he is not your prize, then somebody is not being faithful, and I don't think that it's him. Why do I think that it's him? I think that's pretty easy for us to understand. Worship team's coming. Because he did not have to die for himself. He chose to die for us. And if he loved you enough to die for you, then I promise you, he loves you enough to never leave you. Now I want you to wrap your mind around that. The Bible says that he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. What does that mean? That means he's more faithful than the most faithful person you know. That means he's more committed than the most faithful person you've ever imagined. He'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you because he loved you enough to die for you. And if he is the prize and we're his bride, there has to be, has to be faithfulness. But here's the good news. It don't have to stay the way it is. It doesn't have to stay any of those ways. Maybe you've made a mistake physically. Maybe you've made a mistake emotionally. Maybe you've found yourself committing adultery spiritually. But His grace is greater than all our sin. This isn't the type of message that people will shout you down for. But it is the type of message that God will set you free with. I've been very transparent with you for the past several weeks, and you may have heard me say this, but I'm going to be transparent with you again. There's been times in my life where this church has been an idol. There's been times in my life where this church has been more important than my family. What do you mean, preacher? I'll never forget when Lucy and Sadie were just little girls, babies. Every day I'd come home and I'd take all my stuff home and I'd walk straight in the door and I'd put it down and I'd open it up and I'd start doing stuff with work. And Lindsay would say, can you help me? Yeah, baby, give me just a minute, I'll be there. Can you help me? Yeah, hang on, this is important. She calls me Joe. Joe, we got two girls. Can can, can you help me just take care of one of them? Baby, I'm, I'm busy. I'm trying to grow a church. If I grow a church, I can take care of you. That come out of my mouth. And I'll never forget, she looked at me one day and she said, I'd rather you hear it from me than you hear it from Lucy one day when she's older. But if church is more important than us, we will hate church. This guy. That was four years ago, and can I tell you that I intentionally 
and specifically have to still pay attention to what I'm doing. You know why? Because I'm driven. I want to be the best. I want to do things. But what good is it if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I have friends right now who are not in ministry. You know why? Because they were married to the ministry and not married to their bride. Maybe you're married to your job. Maybe you're buried, married to, to something else. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's something that your wife always has to take a back seat to. Hear the words coming out of my mouth. God will not bless that mess. How do I know that? Because when I stopped depending on my own ability and I started depending on not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit, that's when I saw God begin to do great things. The more I put priority on my family, the more I've watched the family of God grow. I'm telling you what I've seen. Now, if me as the preacher can stand here and tell you that it's a struggle for me not to commit adultery spiritually even in doing good things. I'm confident that there are people in here that God wants to speak to you and help you today. Maybe there's an emotional thing. Maybe you feel like you've been disconnected from your spouse. Maybe you feel like you don't get the attention that that you need from your spouse. And maybe it's forcing you to find attention somewhere else. Let me say this to you. Stop looking for attention somewhere else. You cannot change them, and that's okay, but you can destroy you. What do you mean that's okay? What I'm telling you is you can't change them, but God can God can take the heart of stone and make a heart of flesh. God can do something in your life, and I don't care what you've done. There's forgiveness in Jesus. There's mercy in the cross. Emotionally, fix your eyes on Him. Maybe you don't feel like you've been getting the attention, and it's causing you to look other places. Hear me, friend. Fix your eyes on the lover of your soul. You may not can see him, but I promise you can feel him. You may not see him, but you can hear him. And in your loneliest of times, he's faithful and true. Because his vow for you is stronger than any vow you'll ever hear at a wedding. He'll honor you. He'll keep you. And good and bad and sickness and health. He's for you. Or maybe, maybe it's a spiritual thing. Maybe you'll be man enough or woman enough to have the guts to realize there's some things that are out of whack. Some priorities that are out of line. And you'll realize that the Spirit of God today is speaking to you to get that right. Because once you get that right... Once he becomes the pinnacle, once he becomes the most important, then everything else will fall into place. Oh, it may not be perfect, but you can be confident that he's got this thing. Today they're going to close us out. They're going to sing a song that we've sang pretty often lately.
My favorite part is the part that just says chains fall. Fear bows. Here, now, Jesus, you change everything. I don't care what you've done. Some of you may need to go home and have a heart-to-heart today with your spouse. I hadn't said anything to you today that I hadn't told her. And she knows the struggle is real for me. Somebody asked me one day, they said, what would you do if your wife come up to you and told you she didn't have to, she didn't want to be in ministry anymore and you had to choose? I said, it would kill me, but I would walk away from ministry to save the covenant with my bride. Good news is, that girl loves Jesus and she loves me. But I can tell you this, if she didn't love Jesus more than she loves me, she probably wouldn't love me because I'm a knucklehead. But but God is good. Here's the way I want us to close today. If you're in this room and you're dealing with issues, I don't want you to feel like that you have to puke them and spit them out to everybody. You don't have to do that. Because today what I'm talking about can be one of the most private things you've ever dealt with. And so I'm going to invite you to stay in your seat, or I'm going to invite you to come to the altar. The only thing I want you to do is respond to God. In one way or the other, I want you to respond to God. Maybe it's a situation where you're going to have to have a discussion with your spouse. Maybe you're a young person and you've been doing stuff that are abs- that's absolutely not right. And you just need to have a, a, a come to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. Maybe it's, a, it's an emotional thing. Maybe there's someone that's giving you attention and you've, you've found yourself even being convicted by it. Cut that thing off. Even if it's not a person. Idols, distractions come in many shapes, sizes, and variations. Or maybe it's just in your spirit. Maybe you know that you know that something's more important than God. And today you just want to say, God, I want you to be the priority. Be my number one. It could be something that's held you back forever. But today, chains fall. Fear bows. Stand with me. Here, right now, Jesus can change everything. If you want to come to the altar, that's fine. If you want to stay where you are, that's fine. But I want you to right now, you focus in on Him. And you be real with yourself. As Shakespeare said in Hamlet, to thine own self be true. Be real with yourself. And let God do something in your life.